0: Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate the support, and it's been fun making these uh, podcasts. It's been fun talking to some of the some of the top guys in the industry. And speaking of top guys, we have uh, Jeff Rowe this week. So I'm really excited about this episode. Jeff is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to mule deer. He's been around a lot of just unreal bucks. And so it's, it's going to be awesome hearing his stories and getting some tips and tactics from him. Before we start, I just want to thank a few of our sponsors. Scree Gear, they make awesome camouflage, awesome gear. I used them all last year and it, and it, it worked perfect. It was awesome. And then we have Ancient Boots. How you spell that is A-N-X-Y-N-T. Uh, they're kind of like sneaky boots. You should definitely search them up it's worth worth a look I, I used those last year as well on my archery hunts and uh, they were awesome and then we have scout to hunt it's a completely free um, GPS mapping uh, service it's a, it's an app that you can download they now have both iOS or so iPhone and Android app available so go ahead and check those out anyways let's get Jeff online and let's get started <laughs>
1: So, thanks for getting on, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Um, yeah, I got some a little bit of downtime right now and trying to catch up with some people. <laughs> Sweet. So, it looks like you guys had another awesome season in 2020. Is there one buck in particular that kind of, like, sticks out that was maybe your favorite or just a, a cool hunt? Um. I would have to say, um, so a friend of mine, I guess he's a friend now. I keep in touch with him quite a bit. A guy named John Barr, he drew um, the Nevada PIW tag and came out with us for a week. And I think the first day we stalked one pretty nice deer, never made it happen, and then we never had an opportunity again. Um, That's kind of how it went. Um, mm-hmm. but with that PIW tag, you can hunt any unit of the state and you can hunt any season that's open. So opening day of Litter, or he came back the day before of the muzzleloader hunt. And one of the bucks we were hunting was, it was a, uh, a buck a lot of people knew about and a lot of people were trying to kill. Um, we hunted him a little bit on the archery hunt and there was, you know, multiple outfitters in there trying to kill him. And, on the muzzleloader hunt, it was no different. I couldn't, honestly couldn't even tell you how many people were in there. Probably I don't know, over 15 or 20 people in, in, a, in a small area. And right up first light, it glassed up our target deer and just made it happen. It was it was pretty incredible, and it was, I was pretty stoked for it to happen like that because it was just me and John, not a big no, team no. of people. So you, you know, two, so was, of, there's all those other, like, there's just you and him and you, you guys got it figured out, huh? Yeah. And that, it, honestly, it was just like very satisfying. Um, like a, a lot of people like don't realize a lot of our hunting over there. It's not, it's just normally like, like when Greg and I are hunting together, we're, it's just him and I and two clients. So there's not really a bunch of people per one client every every now and then i could count on one hand of how many hunts we do it like that it's very few but it's you know it's very satisfying when you have a pile of competition out there and it's just you you know and and your hunter and it's just you know it's very satisfying so how do you compete because i mean I've, i've seen i don't i haven't been on a lot of hunts in nevada but in general a lot of these outfits have six or seven spotters and then mm-hmm. oh, you're just with with the hunter yourself. How do, how do you compete with that? What are some things that kind of you do? Um, honestly, it's you know some like you have to try. Um, mm-hmm. It really depends like what what the hunter wants to do as well. Because a lot of hunters they sometimes they don't want to be in those situations where they're competing and they're outgunned. Because realistically, if you have you know five or six guys helping one hunter your odds are kind of low when you're by yourself and you know on this kind of situation there was a lot of spotters but they were all in the wrong area you know they weren't right where this buck was which which helped out you know so was Um, that because you guys maybe had more knowledge of the buck from scouting or is it just how it ended up i would say because we i mean At the end of the day, we didn't have any trail cameras in there. And there was a spot a lot of people run trail cameras. And, you know, we just put in a lot of work and glassing. And, you know, some people, what's kind of funny is I've noticed this a lot when people are just solely relying on cameras is they'll get a picture of a deer and they only pound that area where they got the picture and they don't realize that deer has moved four miles. You know, I've I've seen it multiple times where these deer will – they will bypass a water to go to a certain water. And I don't know why they do it, but it happens more often than people think. Really? And I think that's what this deer was doing. And um, You know, honestly, it, it was a pretty lucky kind of deal. Um, there was another outfitter on the hill. And, you know, I glassed him up first. And I had my, my guy down there first. And he just, you know, what he did was awesome. You know, he didn't step on me. He just... They, you beat me to them, like, there's nothing I can do, and, um, you know, a lot of respect to that guy. So, you know, so Nevada has a a trail cam season now. Do you Uh feel like that's kind of helped people like you and Greg, who obviously put a lot of time out there and know what you're doing, versus maybe uh, other outfits that just kind of, like you said, throw... Cameras out. It, it, you feel like there's a bigger advantage now towards you guys, or what? Um, you that? it, that's just hard to say. I mean, it's not just Greg and I. It's um, you know, there's Greg runs a really small operation. There's um, Greg, Sergio, Scarth, uh, Matt Kelly, Zach Doster, and um, a very like very few other guys. Um, those are mainly the guys that. The Nevada stuff with us, and they all put in a lot of work. Um, and we do run cameras as well. Um, very few. It's just, it's just kind of frustrating trying to run cameras and just getting them stolen all the time. And I don't know. I don't. I don't really mess with them that much. So do you think, like, with the how there's a season now on the cameras? Um, do you mm-hmm. think that's helped some bucks? Live and maybe get to older ages, or have you not maybe seen a a big change? Um, you know, some of those areas where they have like like the two forty two unit, everyone has cameras. Everyone would get those big deer on them. Mm-hmm. But the country they live in is so thick. The cam, it's just really hard to kill some of those deer. But I think it's too early to tell if some of these bigger bucks are making it. I know some are cause I know we've hunted some bucks actually quite a few that, you know, I don't think any people even know of. Um, I'm sure. I mean, some do, but yeah, it's, it's nice. Cause when you get in those summer rains, <clears throat> it will, you know, keep bucks from hitting water cause it's, it's everywhere. So that helps too, uh, um, oh. with the cameras. Um, I just, I really hope they just get rid of all of them. Um, it'll be a level level playing field to me. And I, there's a lot of pros and cons to the cameras and people could argue it all day. Um, right. I don't know. I've, all of my hunting I've done my whole life, it's not been around a camera. You know, I just like going out and hunting. And I think the cameras are taking that away from a from everything, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. It, Sorry. <laughs> it might be, not make sense of just rambling on and on here, but. <clears throat> no, no, it does. And obviously whatever you're doing is working. I mean, I don't know many people who have, have been around more giant bucks than you have. So. Um, honest, it's not, I mean, I don't think I'm any better than the next guy or any worse. Just, it's just putting, it's just going out there and doing it. Um, You know it's not, it's really not rocket science. And I think a lot of people make it harder, um, than what it is or, uh, you know, I just can't, I can't speak on that. I just don't, I really don't know. Just fortunate, I guess. So, what, what do you think is like some of the major mistakes maybe that like newer hunters or even hunters in general make when like hunting a specific deer or hunting older age class animals? Giving up, um, I think that's probably number 1 is people just not wanting to you know they'll find the buck pre-pre-season like and then they'll start hunting him and won't see him in one day or two days and just think he left and then, and then leave Whereas when we're hunting a deer you know sometimes i pulled off deer just cuz I really think <laughs> really thought they left or whatever but for the most time most of the time I'll I'll stay and just hunt that deer solely until he's dead or someone else kills him I think that's where a lot of people mess up, <clears throat> start second-guessing themselves. I mean, I when I killed that buck, um, well, was when John Barr killed that deer, I uh, mm-hmm. I remember talking to Greg on the phone, asking him, I'm like, because that buck walked into a group of trees yeah. after he was spooked, and I thought I just missed him run out of there. And um, I guess it's a little off subject, but it has to do with you know being persistent. I called Greg. I'm like, this is what this deer did. I think he kept going. and He's telling me like, no, just just sit there. I'm like, all right. Well, I guess we don't have anything else going on, so we'll just sit on this <laughs> this patch of trees and just hope he's in there. And that's and that's what he did. The buck just held up held tight and bedded down. And three hours later, after a lot of hunters left and whatnot, that buck come walking out at 70 yards, and we we dumped no him. No way. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. Holy cow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very satisfying to say least. Say the least. They the least <clears> throat> throat> so I'm looking at your Instagram right now. Did you post that buck on it? Um I have posted him, mm. yes. I'm, I'm um, trying to read What does he look like? So you see the if you see the velvet buck, the non typical one the one right below that. Oh, okay. With the like kind of the long wild. main beams and in the in line. So yeah, the, the wild looking right side with yeah. all that trash. Yeah, that What's was that there? deer. Oh dang, <laughs> that's sweet. So yeah, how, is a nice one. Like obviously you've been around deer enough to know like persistence and how it how it pays. You probably have a few other stories like that. How do you uh-huh. your client like um like. <laughs> Like bought in on that 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 maybe after even without seeing the deer for days on end that you're in the right spot. Um, that's a good question. Um, normally these normally these guys that are hunting these bucks they 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 understand it. Um, hmm. and they and they want to kill something big, so they'll they'll listen they'll listen to you. Um, you just gotta keep them positive. Say so that hey, this buck could be here any we can glass them up at any time. So, you know, and normally the guys will stay on their toes and really not second. I'm sure they might be second guessing. you, but
0: that's just what you
1: have to do. You know, not all, it's not going to work out all the time. And that happens more often than not. (laughs) (laughs) So going off of that, what, what's the biggest fear that maybe has ever got away from you? Or like is there is there a deer that just like sticks out that maybe didn't work out um, no, honestly, all the biggest deer um I've been fortunate enough to hunt we've we've pretty much killed really i I could actually think of one yeah well this is a thinker. <laughs> Not, nothing crazy like i had like i mean i've helped some people like that they did all the work like finding the deer and i've come in like just to help them for, for a two days that and like we may have not killed that deer but i i just didn't have many like much value towards it because it wasn't any of my work you know yeah um so there's been some situations like that but anything that i had like real ties to um you've got it you got it killed uh, um awesome. yeah, well yeah actually actually there was a buck um that greg found and we hunted him a bunch and we we missed him at 50 yards on the archery hunt and he was like 230 type deer and the next year like we we found him up like in the mountains and then the next year he come rolling down to the fields on the rifle hunt and someone crushed him oh okay yeah that was that's that's the only one I could think of well that's a pretty off, good off the top of, off the, yeah that's off the top of my head but you know there, yeah there's, there's probably more jeez so what like as you're scouting these bucks, what are you looking for like habit habitual wise like um to kind of key in on these bucks like are you looking like generally? where they feed, where they walk. Like, are you just trying to learn as much as you can or what are some tips? Are you asking my, like glassing techniques or how am I? like? So like, if you want to find, find a buck, what, what's next? So you just randomly find a buck. What, what do you do next? Well, um, normally like when we find some of these deer, um, you know, obviously glass them up, look at them. Cool. <laughs> He's big enough to shoot. And I will. I really won't spend much more time than that. Um, I'll keep moving on, looking for other bucks. And then, like a week before a hunt or whatever, if we don't have anything else found, we'll go back to our best buck, and you know, normally spend all of our time uh, patterning them. Okay, okay, so that's, you're that's what you're looking at multiple bucks like in the summer. Yeah, you're not gonna go try to find a buck twice. Really, until a week or so before the hunt, because you're trying to correct. Yeah, yeah. That that's actually a good. Because, of, cool. because in my mind, there's always something bigger, you know. So I don't really tie myself down to one deer unless you're yeah. going to hunt them. So then, the week before the hunt, are you? What are you? You're obviously keeping your distance, but what are you looking for to pattern them? Are you looking for routes or? Uh just common sense stuff, seeing where he's laying down, what patch of trees he's going in, um what direction he's feeding, you know, just common sense stuff, okay, that makes sense. what I think is common sense, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, huh, well, that's interesting that I think that's something that maybe people mess up with in general, that maybe they spend too much time looking after one buck that they find early on in scouting instead of trying to find multiple bucks and then they could be missing yeah. out bigger deer. I mean, it's, it's one thing if you glass up an absolute like freak that you're probably going to want to spend all your time on trying to figure out, but I uh-huh. uh, haven't found any, any of those to be really spending all our time on. So another story I kind of wanted, I mean, we could even just do the short version if you want um mm-hmm. i just wanted to hear a little bit about your strip hunt and kind of your oh. like how <laughs> how all that went down i I know you've probably told the story a million times but uh. um yeah basically very fortunate draw tag um you know after that you know i I worked for uh greg Krogh and owner of mogion rim outfitters and i also worked for um Bob Dykman, Pat McCarty, and Ben brochu that own Shadow Valley. I'm all, I also do I, do I do some work with them, so I hired them because <clears throat> you know they have Trevor Davenport running the strip and and Hunter Clarkson. Uh, so those guys are always up there, and um, you know basically went up there and did you know um, quite a bit of work, much as much work as I could in the summer, trying to find some deer and. Um, as you know, there was, you know, two giant deer in very low odd country mm-hmm. that I wanted no, <laughs> I wanted no part of. Um, <laughs> and, until I guess a week before the hunt, the buck, the buck moved about four miles, and some of my buddies over at MBA, uh, Brett and Breck and Bronson, they let me know about about him because they didn't have any archery hunts which is you know forever grateful for that um, went over there glassed the buck up and then Friday morning started hunting him he wasn't there went back to his original place which as you know it's flat thick um, really not realistic I wasn't planning on hunting it until all my help left and how I was gonna hunt it I wasn't gonna sit water I was just gonna go you know check the camera which I'm against but is there <laughs> check it when he hits and then try to get on his track and track him up and kill him which (laughs) realistically realistically it was not going to happen um i don't i don't think i could have pulled it off but hey you never know and well from what i heard uh, that was the only way really that you could that you would be able to kill that deer because i i know there was a lot of people after it even the year before and uh everyone i talked to said that you'd have to (laughs) track it out in order to kill it based on yeah yeah you would um and going into that strip hunt i've personally never killed a 200 deer but i've been like you know very fortunate enough to uh, be on quite a few and i didn't i didn't go to that hunt wanting to kill a 200 deer i wanted to kill a deer i wanted you know and looking at that block on trail camera video and whatnot i didn't think he would be i thought he was narrow um, I knew he was big, like 220 type deer, but I uh, I wasn't going to put all my efforts in him <clears throat> just because I I really didn't like how he looked on trail camera. And then once I saw him on the hoof, everything changed. I'm like <laughs> he looked ridiculous, <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's the deer I'm going to try to kill. So that's what we did. Um, it got very lucky. He mo- well, so <clears throat> hunting him all day Friday, and on Saturday. I guess Friday night, we checked the camera here and he moved four miles back to where he was originally watering. So on Saturday evening, my dad and my buddy, Mark and myself <clears throat> rolled out on this rim. And within two minutes of glass, it was windy as heck within two minutes of glassing. I glassed him up um, No what? all, all the way out in that thick stuff. Like he was just, I know, you know where, where this is at, but it's, it's normal. It's like a wall of junipers with some tiny rolling hills and some cliff rows.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he was just on the edge of it. So, so he was on the edge of the the junipers? Yep. Yeah. Uh, it kind of ended in some like dotted junipers. And I basically, um, just took off running and got all the way to a hundred yards, took my boots off and, you know, took a few more steps, and he come walking out and started feeding and, you know, just made a made a lucky shot, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> made it happen. And
0: <laughs> didn't says- know
1: – yeah, it was wild. I didn't know I hit him. I I got on his track, and I was walking his track out. and Oh, so hit yard you him. hit him when you shot. No, I didn't because <clears throat> he – well, <laughs> when he was feeding – um, he was feeding broadside looking straight away from me and I was covering ground and I ranged at seven or sixty eight and uh-huh. I wanted realistically I wanted to get like, you know, fifty, but that probably wasn't gonna happen, so I'm just standing there thinking what my next move was and he uh stopped feeding and turned around and looked right at me. I had a, I had I was all decked out. <laughs> I had like all my gloves on and, you know, face mask and whatnot and he's just looking right at me, he turns around, goes back to feeding. And at that moment is when I drew back and, uh, you know, hope for the best. You know, shot felt great, but he spun. He heard the arrow or the bow go off and he spun. And that arrow caught him right in the, like, back left hip and quartered all the way in. Like, you know, it was, it was everything, like, <laughs> guts, liver, lungs, and I'm guessing the heart shot because he was dead in about three seconds, I bet. You three or four seconds. He <laughs> got every a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. People, uh, people just, uh, social media are just always these keyboard warriors, but, you know, realistically, it was, you know, I wouldn't have put it anywhere different, but, um, yeah, so tracked him out, didn't know I shot him, and then about 60 yards in, walked up to a <laughs> giant. What was that like walking up on him? Um, honestly, it, uh, man it took the wind out of my sails that's for sure i couldn't even i couldn't even breathe it was the weirdest feeling i've ever felt you know <laughs> um, so yeah that was awesome he was like because you said you didn't really like him on trail camera you glassed him up you obviously kind of liked him and then like well, i didn't kind of like him <laughs> i liked him a lot <laughs> yeah but then when you put your hands on him he even bigger and like or did you kind of know what he was once he um, got? Oh yeah, no, I knew what he was. You know, a lot of these, <clears throat> a lot of bucks they like surprise you and whatnot. But, I mean, I was looking at him at like when I glassed him up, he was 400 yards from me, and I was looking at him through my 40 powers, and <laughs> oh, okay. I pretty much, yeah, we pretty much had him like right, we had him pegged on on score wise. So, yeah. you know, walking up to him, I, I mean, it was a shock just. You know, that we killed our target buck and, you know, just very thankful I had everyone with me. And my dad got to watch it go down, which was pretty you awesome. awesome have your dad there and everything. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was perfect. So. So what did he end up going again? Um, you know, those guys in camp, um, and they're the pile of us in there, um, you know, Bronson and, and um, Brett, they came up and, you know, some of the guys asked me if they could score them, which I told them. I'm like, there, there isn't a number you could come up with that I'm going to be upset with. I didn't come up here for a number. I came up here for a giant deer. And, and they came up with, like, 2 240, like, green. But, mm-hmm. you know, after, like, 60 days of – I never got them officially scored, but, yeah. you know, I scored them at – I think I scored them at – 233 or 235 or something, something right somewhere right there right, right. Um, big big enough <laughs> such a cool deer I yeah, can't believe it. very fortunate yeah we went down the buck you killed we actually spent i guess i don't know probably three or four days looking for him <clears> throat> before throat> the hunt and even and even during the hunt um and just never never saw him or a buck for that matter <laughs> yeah it's rough out there, yeah yeah, if, if it wasn't for the rut, that deer would have never died. So, did so, you guys ever seen before the hunter no um so me and Jeff Barrett actually went down uh like mid October, uh-huh, and then Jeff got on his tracks, and then the tracks split, so I followed one and he followed the other and is like one probably like less than a minute after we split up, Jeff came face to face with him. Oh really? Yeah. So I, I didn't see him. And then I saw him the day before the hunt started, um, right at dark. But Jeff Jeff had him face to face. And it was, it was pretty lucky because we had a camera down there and we got pictures of him in velvet. And then that was the last picture we even got of him. So right. we, we – <laughs> We we're lucky to kinda of know he was still in there by like following his tracks out, so Right. Yeah, that's pretty awesome as a as a stud. <laughs> he was, that's for sure. This so, feels like a dream. I still can't believe that happened. But yeah, we're smart. what smart was you, what day did you kill him on? I killed him on the third day. Oh, so he killed him pretty early on. Yeah. Well, that's the thing to do is just like yeah, pick a buck and hunt it. You know, that, that's the pro the biggest problem with that year is 2019 is there were so many giant deer. Like, <laughs> yeah, you right. easily mess you. You could easily mess yourself up by, you know, well this buck's here. Let me go hunt that buck for a day. And you really need to pick one deer and just dedicate all your time to him. Yeah, you know? that that is true because there's so many big deer. Even right in that area, there's two or three other deer that got killed that were right around that 200 inch mark. Right. So um, like we were, we were, it was, it was crazy. I had some really good help. I could have never done it without them. So right. lucky they, they kind of experienced that before and kept me on, on track with that deer. Right. right. No, I understand how it goes. But so talking to a few people, kinda even about your strip buck, but about you in general, they're they're saying like uh you're willing to glass things that people aren't necessarily willing to glass. Like you were willing to glass into those thick cedars where it probably wasn't the most fun thing, but that that's how you do that's kinda how you find a lot of the big bucks. Could you give us some tips on glassing in general? Maybe some things you do? Um, just quality optics. You know, I mean, realistically, I don't, like, I'm not better than the next guy. I'm just, it's, I just sit there and glass, you know. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Um, you know, I guess some of my tips would just, you know, be patient. Um, not leave the glass knob so early or. I, get, I mean middle of the day there's some stuff we hunt that's just pointless to be hunting in the middle of the day um and some of it you could hunt all day you know some of those desert units where you can you know go last and shaded hillsides where bucks will lay under and um you know another thing is <clears throat> sitting down and getting comfortable you know standing up i've noticed like when you're, it's, it's one thing if you're working, moving, working some country and standing up and glassing. But normally when you stand up and glass, your tripod's shaky and everything's shaky and you can miss some stuff. Um, That's basically what I focused on and, you know, having a sturdy tripod. So Um, when you're, when you're scouting, like when you don't necessarily have a specific buck you're looking for, um, what are you using like big eyes and glassing from, far or are you more of like 15s or what's your setup kind of look like um kind of all of it um, yeah. i normally use big eyes a lot um like first thing i get on a knob and i'll uh you know glass i glass quick all morning um you know for the first hour or so just constantly scanning stuff and i always I always glass a lot of people say um you know, hunt close first um, I guess I'll do some of that with my naked eye, but I'll also um, glass far places that animal could disappear into. Like I'll glass tree lines first, far tree lines, or or um, like hillsides, like at the very top of them. I'll scan the top of them, making sure I'll uh, pick up a buck that's just going to go over. You know, first if I was you know messing around glassing somewhere else, I'd have missed them. So I try to classic scape routes first and then I'll go back to uh, you know all the pride feeding habitat I would say which could be anywhere <laughs> in some in some places so and then this kind of goes with that but when you're when you're looking for maybe new places is there specific things you look for like like burns or like if it's within a certain vicinity of water or is it like how do you find new on honestly i should but a lot of the stuff like i'm not gonna i just kind of you know a lot of people sit there and look at maps and i'll just you know look at <laughs> with my eyes look at the biggest knob and, and climb up and i don't care if there's water there or not um you're probably going to find deer yeah and um you know i, I really don't pay attention to all that I, I probably should but you know if I I guess if I can't find deer anymore I'll just go to the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure. laughs>
0: so with
1: with all the deer you've been a part of, is there one that maybe is like the most rewarding, like that maybe you guys worked the hardest for that you could tell us the story of um I would say it was probably like um, sorry, my second or third 200-inch deer I was on was with, I think, um, Matt Schoenberg. Um Him and I and Todd Guiler hunted. Todd had a 13B archery tag, and we hunted for like nine days. <clears throat> and on the eighth day, he uh, – I forget what day it was. doesn't matter, but he shot a buck. At 11 yards through the neck because he was at full draw for like two minutes, and this buck was walking right by him. And this wasn't a, um he wasn't on water or anything. We just got really lucky and got set up, and this buck got up and walked right to him. and um, How big was the buck? 230, I think. Oh, yeah, two, 227. Um, at 11 yards. Yeah, 11 yards. Shot <laughs> him the neck. Buck ran down the hill at straight at me, and he was the buck was doing 360s all the way down the mountain. And the reason I believe he was doing that is because he thought he had a mountain line on his back. So he was oh, like probably. trying to spin him off, and it was it was something I've never seen before. <clears throat> and it was it was pretty wild. He was he kept on doing 360s, and um, you know, finally got to the bottom and took off, and um. And then we had left him that night. Next day, got on his tracks, tracked him up. We tracked him up into this little hole. And me and Matt sat down, glassed the buck up, like 350 yards staring at us. And those guys, where we were hunting, it was pretty open country with, like, little pockets of trees. And Matt and Todd sat on that deer all day long, literally all day until last light. At 300 yards, I could could barely see the deer. Uh Uh-huh. And we could just never, the buck was alive. and I mean, he never looked sick. He just, just laid there all day. And the next day we went in there at first light and as, as Matt and Todd are walking in, they heard a rock slip. And they looked up and that buck was walking up on the opposite side of the canyon at 90 yards. And Todd just made one hell of a shot and just dumped him. No. Yeah. That was probably the most rewarding because, you know, it was, you're in 13 B and it's August and it's hotter than heck. It's 90 degrees down there yeah. down by like mud, mud mountain pretty much. And, um, so, you know, that country in the summer is, um, blistering hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was probably the most satisfying, you know, um, I would say like mine, like mine was very satisfying, but it just felt more, it felt more than that. It was just, it felt like it, my time was due, you know, I've, just been very fortunate to help a lot of a lot of guys kill some nice animals, and it was nice for for me to have a turn, you know, and and uh, you know first stock and everything. That was, I guess that was very satisfying as well. Yeah, that's that's crazy because I I just you remember know, I could oh sorry no no go ahead. I was say, I can think of a, a couple stories that are really satisfying. I mean, <clears throat> Greg and. Uh, one of our really good friends, Tony Polish, he had a um, a rifle tag a few years ago and just a general unit in Nevada. And this is a pretty crazy story because it was a 100% luck, I would say. Um, it was a is the last day for Tony to hunt. We had like a 185 buck, and Tony's on his way to go kill this deer, and it's in the sage. Uh huh. And Greg asked me, he's like, hey, tell. Tell Tony what like what the buck's doing whatever whatever I'm like all right so I'm telling him and Tony is walking up this little sand hill and Greg's trying to yell at him on the radio because when he's going up this sand hill there's a 205 inch straight four point laying there that we haven't we didn't we never saw no <laughs> Holy. yeah so this this buck older deer super smart took off running in the direction Tony could see, and he dropped behind this little ridgeline and button hooked quick and started running. So Tony's looking for him, say, the direction south, and the whole time the buck is running across a wide-open field to the north behind him. Uh Like, it button hooked him so quick on the ridgeline, he never saw him disappear. And that (laughs) buck, unfortunately for him, the buck was running up by me and then we got Tony over there, and then finally he missed him a few times, and then the buck crossed the hill. I grabbed Tony. We got on his tracks. As we're walking down this ridgeline, um, there's a ridgeline to my right, and I'm, I think I'm on his tracks. The problem is there's does everywhere. I'm thinking I'm on his tracks. I'm walking down this ridgeline. I keep looking to my right, and I can see shadows. I can see a shadow moving, and I come around the tree, and it's a crow. All right, so I keep working. I keep working down this ridge line a little, like 20 more yards, and I see it. Some shadow moving, and we look over, and it's a buck, and he's doing the same exact thing. But I know what the deer was doing when I was on his track. He was on the opposite side of the canyon, and he was watching me through a juniper. Um, he was watching me work down this ridge for probably 150 yards before the thing even moved. He waited for us to walk past him, and then he tiptoed. He never he never like full on ran out of there. He just kind of like slow, a slow trot, like sneaking back out the way he came and we just caught him and, and, uh, Tony dumped him, you know, oh, that was, yeah, but it's, it's crazy watching, you know, some of these older bucks and, and what they do once you start tracking them. And I wish, I wish I hunted country where I could track them a lot more. Uh, I know there's like, you know, these, some of the seasoned guys, um, you know, Greg Krogh, Jason Campbell, and Jeff Bear, they're all phenomenal trackers. Um you know, so I've I've learned a lot from a couple of those guys. Yeah, it's it's cool to see a good tracker like on a track. Like it, that's one of the most incredible things I've seen. Oh. Oh yeah, watch I mean guys like you know, like Matt Schimmer, you probably never even heard of Brian Goswick, but those guys are hell of trackers as well, you know. Yeah. that like old art and that's not really done much anymore. I guess it depends where you're at, but that's what fascinates me. So speaking of like deer doing like weird things, what's the like craziest thing you've seen a deer do, like maybe to get away from a hunter or something like that right there. <laughs> it, that's one that's one of them. You know, I've seen a lot of stuff like heavily heavily populated areas, like, you know your old average truck drives by, the buck lays his head on the ground. Um, you know, a lot of deer, they all have a pattern to them. So once you start tracking them, they'll keep doing the same thing over and over or, um, you know, there's just, I can't really think of that many examples right now. Yeah. So, so yeah. like in, in general, um, what would you say, what like tips would you give to, hunters if if they wanted to be more successful on on big deer like do you have some tips to kind of um just get out scout the summer um that's the easiest time to find them is just scouting the summer and just and hope he's going to stay there during your hunt or if it's archery hunt of course he's going to be there unless you know something crazy happens um that's my tip right there and yeah spend all your money on optics and not your you know, not your bow or whatever. That's, that's a good tip. So just real quick before we end, I have a few more questions. So you, your optics, do you have like a pair of like 10s or 12s and then like 15s and then big so, eyes like, lift that up? A lot of the hunting, a lot of the hunting I was doing in Nevada, mm-hmm. you know, it was fine, everything, but the elk hunts were just killing me carrying 10s, 15s, big eyes, I just got tired of it all, so I just sold my 10s. You know, I had, like, that doesn't matter, but I sold um, 10s and 15s and then just bought a set of 12s and just ran that. Um, I like them for the most part. There's a few situations where I kind of wish I had 15s, but at that point, I'll just throw on big eyes. Um, And that's my kind of setup I run. Um, Are those, what what 12s do you have? Are those the... Mm, now I have the the n l peers. are those pretty sweet? um they're okay're they're, uh uh the I mean the glass is okay, but the only issue is you're constantly focusing, which is very annoying. I'm not sure how to feel about that um, uh maybe I'll get used to it. It's not that big of a deal to some, but I guess for me it is, yeah. And then your big eyes, are those, do you have the Kawas or the
0: Doctors?
1: Uh, the Dr. 40X. Do you love those? Yep, they're probably, yeah, they're, they're, they're really they're, nice. Yeah, that's sweet. And I unfortunately I, broke mine, but. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Did they yeah. stop making them or something? Yeah, that's the issue with them. I yeah. guess we have a Ferrari that I cannot get parts for. <laughs> that's the word. That's sure. how I look at it. So probably go meet with someone, get them fixed, or try up in there. I'm gonna try. I wanna try out that 115 <clears throat> with the BTX. Yeah. I don't like that. I'm not a fan of the BTX. Um, super dark. Um, I ran it for one year, sold it. I just didn't like it. Um, the 12. 12- which one the did 25 you have? by uh the btx on a 95 oh, okay so i just sold it and just got the single eyepiece which which is nice for videoing and whatever purposes i needed it for um yeah but the suaro 25 by 50 um wide angle 65 do du- those dual setups they're pretty nice um I might get a set of those. Just not sure what what I'm gonna do yet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Other than that, that's about it. <laughs> Sweet. And then just last question. So I know the like the Nevada Nevada guide draw is going on right now. Um. You said you don't have a. You probably don't do as much as like Greg to get book hunts book, but. Um, is that something you would recommend looking into? I know, I know you can only do the right on that, but where, or do your clients from the regular draw? Um, a lot of that stuff is just all those, those Eastern units, you know, um, you know, 241, 245, um, you know, 231, um, 221 through 223, um, basically the only units we really hunt over there um there's a few other like 131 and whatnot um but yeah if you want to you know start applying um they don't have a bonus point system i don't believe it's uh I, yeah they do it's just it's just a weird system and they need to change it from what i understand i don't pay a whole lot of attention to it i don't deal with any of that stuff so if people had questions they need to get a hold of you know greg Krogue on social media or his website um and his outfitter name is Mogi on Rim Outfitters. He's gonna have the best, the best intel for you. Sweet. And then um, a couple more questions, then we can end. Sorry, I keep Yeah, no, no worries. I don't. But I don't have anything going on. <laughs> perfect. As far as like, probably more Nevada. Um, if if you wanted to kill a big deer, do you think archery hunting is um, like the archery hunts are probably the best bet versus like the yeah. muzzleloader rifle because you can scout huh. them. Archery, and, archery and muzzleloader is probably, probably your best bet. And there's some rifle hunts that you, that um, that you could kill some big deer on. It's just they're harder they're harder to kill. Because they're not quite as patternable, and then you probably don't catch most hunts. You don't catch the rut as much. Well, you're not going to catch any of the rut, I don't believe, unless you're going to hunt some of those those November on hunts. Um, mm-hmm. From my understanding, from what I experienced over there, you know, I've only been over there for about five years now, and and I've seen very, very little rut activity the last few days. I have seen a little bit of it, but don't I would never, I would never bank on it, you know. Yeah. Or um, you'll you'll run into the odd deer um, in some units, but. I really want to plan on, on a rut hunt unless you're going to draw those November hunts. Okay. Which are really good. <laughs> yeah. If you can, if he and can. really, and really hard to draw. <laughs> yeah. Well, sweet. Is there anything else you want to say or uh, um, advice you want to give the listeners? Some advice. Well, I'd rather tell a story. Yeah, let's let's get one last it's one of my favorites from this year. Let's hear it. Um, so uh, a good friend of mine, and I believe a good friend of yours too, or that you know of, uh, Trevor Davenport. Yeah, came over and did a hunt with us this year, and we uh, we killed a big typical. Um, very fortunate enough to kill him with a muzzleloader and the day before we missed. We bet a nice buck, probably like a 180-type deer. Shot over him at, like, 90 yards, and it was, like, a blessing in disguise because the next year was really the second biggest typical I've ever been on.
0: <laughs> and
1: uh, Trevor and I are – or Trevor glassed him up in the morning, and we're, like, leapfrogging, trying to stay on this thing because he is covering some country. He beds in, like, a crappy spot with, like, 10 bucks, And then for some reason, you know – some of those bigger bucks do. They'll, they'll, they don't want to be around other deer or, or whatever. I don't know why. He just kind of went over a mountain and then crossed up this other side. Well, I didn't know that, so I haul about around. This is all hiking, um no vehicles, uh, and uh, hike all around summer. It's like 90 degrees. I find this one Joshua tree and I get see some tines under it, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, I got the buck over here, so. They start coming over and i'm looking at it i'm like i don't even know if those are horns or not like those look I'm like huh i'm looking at it looking at it i'm like okay so i glass across the valley and the buck's laying under a juniper across I, craw- I wasn't even looking at a deer but i wasn't going to have those guys go up there and try to shoot this not a stick <laughs> so yeah, finally, so I get the deer. I'm like, oh, I just tell this lie to him, you know. Oh, the deer moved over here, but I got him. No. <laughs> so, yeah, this buck bed down. There's, like, four junipers or five. I don't know. He lays down under one of them. Trevor and our buddy come cruising up the ridgeline, and this buck, um, they finally get to this one juniper. It's about, I'm thinking, 80 yards away from where the buck's bedded as soon as they sit down, this buck gets up and he's trying to find a bed, but it's like on a steep slope, can't find his bed. And like, if something clicked, I, I go watch this deer. He's trying to get like, he's literally up in the juniper trying to find shade. Cause it's that hot. And it was like, something clicked in his head. Like, Oh yeah, I've been here before. Like, I, There's a bed over here that it's a good, like a good bed. And Trevor and Hector are sitting in the bed. So this no. buck backs out of this juniper. Like looks straight to where Trevor is, and just goes on a beeline. Starts walking right out this tree, and it was it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Like it just clicked on it in his head, like, oh I, oh, I, there's a bed over here. I'm gonna go use, and he's walking straight up Trevor and Hector. And right when he got over there, he was probably he walked I don't know 20 yards and saw them. I'm not even sure if he saw him. He just stopped, and they just dumped him right there. No, way. So that was that was yeah. probably one of the funnest thoughts this year interesting things i've seen trevor's fun too he's a good hunter but he's freaking funny too trevor's a very good hunter yeah he's uh, (laughs) he's fun to be around yeah he's he's up there that's for sure he's one of the best in my book you know and i think honestly i think the world of all the guys i'm around um you know we don't there's no mediocre guy we hunt with everyone in my opinion, everyone we have working for us or, or whatever the outfits I have going on with between Shadow Valley and Mogian, I believe everyone we have working for us is, you know, top notch. Um, so it's nice. Yeah, makes, yeah. It makes it easier killing stuff. <laughs> That's probably why you guys are so successful. It's hard to get a, a group of guys that are all, all good like that, but all the guys that I've met some of the best hunters around. So that's sweet. Yeah. appreciate that. Well, yeah. Well, thanks again for hopping on I last minute, but I appreciate it. I'm glad I got to, got to talk with you and get some of your stories and,